0: It is important for Christian parents to teach their children the ways of the Lord, and this comes through the proclamation of the Word of God. One of the vital ways we do such a thing is in the day-to-day happenings of life. We take the opportunity to help them understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need for salvation. We answer their questions before the world provides their answers. We tackle difficult matters head-on when the time is right to broach the subject. We trust the Word of God to instruct us and the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth as we lead our children into that truth. We read the Bible to them and encourage them to read it daily. We unashamedly declare to our children the reason for the hope we have in Christ. We equip our children to do the same rather than simply telling them something is bad and to avoid it. This is not sufficient. They need to understand what God has to say on the matter at hand and why it is not okay. We live in a world that looks much different from when you and I grew up as children, and our children are facing and are going to face more difficult societal norms with the pressure and temptation to compromise before the Lord. And when the world comes knocking through subtle or not-so-subtle undertones, attempting to be the first line of open-mindedness, we respond by being the first line of defense to the children God has given us to steward, renewing their minds with the best defense, the Word of God. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Lovesick Scribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six, Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the One who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six, Scribe. By now you have likely heard about the latest Disney Pixar movie, Turning Red, and you may have heard mixed reviews about this movie. I have seen the same mixed reviews. And after seeing some things floating around on social media, which, let's be honest, sometimes it can seem more like a cesspool at times on social media, I had initially decided to steer clear of the movie and even warn my daughter to not watch it in spite of the cute red panda advertised however the more i thought about it the more i realized what an opportunity was presented in sitting down with her and watching the movie while taking the time to address some issues should they arise the movie did not surprise in that area and today i want to share with you a synopsis of the movie and some takeaways i had from the movie while watching it with my daughter I took the time to discuss these issues and these concerns that I saw in the movie with my daughter, and then the following day before homeschool, we spent a good amount of time looking at Scripture for some of the concerns we discussed about this movie the day prior. I hope this helps you as a Christian mother and serves as an example in how to broach subjects with your children in a biblical way. You do not have to be a scholar to do this— And these kinds of talks plant the seeds for further candid discussions down the road with your children. So with that, let's take a look at Turning Red. To give you an idea up front about this movie, I looked at Disney Plus's site in order to see what the description about this movie was based from their perspective. And this is what they had to say. Disney and Pixar's Turning Red introduces Mei Lee, a confident, dorky 13-year-old torn between staying her mother's dutiful daughter and the chaos of adolescence. Her protective, if not slightly overbearing mother, Ming, is never far from her daughter, an unfortunate reality for the teenager. And as if changes to her interests, relationships, and body weren't enough, whenever she gets too excited, she poofs into a giant red panda. Now, the director of this movie had this to say about turning red. They wanted to be unapologetic about puberty, including periods. The director said, quote, The Red Panda is a metaphor not just for puberty, but also what we inherit from our moms and how we deal with the things that we inherit from them. Now, I found it interesting that they used this Red Panda to talk about this because in all honesty, watching this movie and whether, and I'm sure that there are going to be people that have very strong feelings about this movie and they're going to be in complete disagreement with the fact that I watched this with our daughter. And that's okay because we're all going to parent the way that we're going to parent and how God leads us and have um, there's going to be certain things that, are, could, that we can perceive as sin against our own conscience in accordance with Romans 14. And so you may have very strong feelings about this movie and I completely understand those strong feelings as I have strong feelings about this movie and strong objections as to allowing a child unsupervised to watch this movie and to just plop them in front of it. And even watching this, it convicted me of times I have been guilty of that in getting busy with the things around the, taking care of things around the house and and having to tend to other issues and matters and having another child to to tend to in addition and being guilty of placing my older child in front of a TV for a little bit and not fully monitoring what she was watching uh, completely, even though she knows some of the guidelines that we have set in place for things that are off limits to watch. And so watching this movie with her it helped me to understand my need to be to repent of some of those areas and to be more mindful of making sure that she is watching things that are appropriate for her so this isn't even though this movie is rated PG which I'll talk about that in just a moment I would not recommend at least as a parent that this is a a movie that a child needs to be sat down in front of for entertainment and to ignore what's going on because there are very there are some very disturbing things in this movie Uh, I believe that the issue of puberty and such that's not the main focus of this movie I think that there's other things going on this movie that that is really used kind of as an an excuse, I would say. Now, I could be wrong in that. But it seems that is mostly there's things in here that are distraction. But I don't believe that this is the main point of this movie. And I find it weird that they're using this red panda to say that you're talking as a metaphor for puberty and what is handed down from our mother's. When really what's being handed down in the world, if, if apart from Christ, is the curse that came through Adam because of sin and rebellion. So that's the curse that we really need to address with our children. And so these are the things that my daughter and I talked about in this, and we'll get to that in just a moment. That's what the director says about this movie, Turning Red, is that they are wanting to address puberty, periods, or menstruation is what us women know this as. But honestly, this was a very small part of this movie. It was probably about five to ten minutes of the movie was that aspect of it. So that's why I find it very hard to believe that that's what the movie was about. Now they do talk about other things about the fat infatuation with boy bands and teen angst and, you know, attitudes and stuff. And I really do believe that though this is part of the Western culture and has been for decades with the, you know, the infatuation of the, the boy bands and you know, the, the attitudes and, and things, this, again, is a distraction. And, it le- and, again, leads back to the issue we all have, which is a sinful nature. But when you're dealing with people that are making movies that are not born-again, This is to be expected from the world. But as Christians, we need to be mindful of these things. And we need to take the opportunities to have these discussions with our children. Because if we're not going to have these discussions with our children, the world is going to have discussions with them. And they're going to tell them things that are not true. And if we're wanting to raise them in the ways of the Lord, then we need to be that first line that they go through in order to get the information they need, the truth that they need, and Along with that, to be praying for them, presenting the gospel to them so that that they hear the truth. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to convict them to, um, to soften their hearts and to bring them to saving faith in Christ. He is going to be the one to do that. So we want to be good stewards over our children and to present the truth to them and do that before the world ever presents the lies to them. Now, this movie is rated PG, And for those that may not know what the full meaning of that is, of course, it's parental guidance uh, is suggested. It means some material may not be suitable for children. And when I look this up online, it says that uh, for PG, the film should be investigated further by parents. There may be some content such as language, violence, or brief nudity, but they aren't so intense that more than guidance is suggested. Remember, the content will vary with each movie, so check the specific movie rating for the film you are researching. There are things, again, that they're in this movie that are not uh, suggested in the PG rating, such as spiritual things, religious aspects that are very heavily uh, laden in this movie, as we'll talk about here in just a moment. You may be wondering why I even bothered to sit down with my daughter after some... I'm sure that some of you have heard things about this movie that are troubling. And initially, I had been one of those people that said, don't watch it because it's bad. It's got bad stuff in it. Just don't watch it. And then I really was actually convicted by that because I thought, that's really doing her a disservice that's not helping to equip her to understand as we're raising her in the ways of the lord and presenting the truth to her based on scripture and she's hearing the gospel being ministered and 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 understanding that and she is professing that she knows christ as her lord and savior that's not really fair to say that this is just bad and you need to avoid it that's not equipping her with the truth So if she's presented with someone that's an unbeliever and they believe this is a wonderful movie, this wouldn't be potentially a a way for her to be talking about it or to maybe say, well, my mom talked to me about it and and this is what we've talked about. Now, she's six years old and I know that there's going to be limitations even right now that she can understand. But still, there are things I'll share with you as we watch the movie that I was really pleasantly surprised at some of the things that she said that were insightful, and they were not provoked or coaxed by me to say them. She said them on her own accord, and I thought that was very, very interesting. So the reasons for watching this was to use this movie as a tool for critical thinking and to provide biblical understanding when confronted with contradicting beliefs and practices. That was the main reason for doing this. And to almost pre- and to present it in an apologetic way. I know she doesn't know what apologetics is, but an apologetic way as a as a Christian and as a parent to present her with what the word says. So I did watch it with her, and we did pause it along the way, and I explained, and I asked questions, and she asked questions, and uh, we also I she also offered thoughts, as I said, that were really good, and. Even though um, I homeschool our daughter and I plan to homeschool our son, Lord willing, our children cannot be insulated from the world. Your children cannot be insulated from the world. And that would be a great thing for us to be able to do that. Maybe we could just wrap them in bubble wrap or we could just put them in one of those plastic hamster balls, you know, that's the size for children and just insulate them from the world. And they never have to come into contact with anything like that. That is not realistic. The truth of the matter is they will come in contact with people and beliefs contrary and even hostile to Christian belief. And I want the word of God to be the first line of defense for my children. And in order to do that, we need to be the first line uh, providing that understanding properly. I can't depend on people at church to do that. I can't depend on her Sunday school teacher to do that, though I know that she's hearing that when she's there. But I can't rely on them. That I can't rely on the church to be the only place where she is hearing the word ministered, that she's hearing the gospel. Her father and mother need to be the first line of defense for her in order for her to understand and to comprehend what... And I want her to think through things, testing things by the word of God, while being ready to give a reason for the hope she has in Christ. And to understand that walking in his ways and, and instruction are important. They are vital. With that being said, we're going to I'm going to tell you about the synopsis of the movie and I tend to be a little bit more detailed person. Buckle in with me, hang with me and then we're going to talk about the biblical aspects of this and this may help you to talk with your children about this. You may find other areas in this movie that these these specific topics that stu- stood out to you and I encourage you if you do, then start digging in scripture and finding these ways that you can have these conversations with your children and that way you're keeping that line of communication open with them and you're not just shutting it down or not being willing to talk with them about scripture show them that scripture is is wonderful to understand it's wonderful to dig into and to read every day and to renew your mind with we are to be we're to have our minds renewed by the word of god daily And so we need to be modeling that to our children. We model to them that we're not perfect, um, that we are, that we do sin, but that we, and we fall short of the glory of God, but we are coming before them if when we need to, to ask for forgiveness, if we've um, not conducted ourselves in the right way that we should, and that we model to them what it is to be a believer in Christ and that we put our faith in Christ and that we are being transformed and and by Christ and being led by the Holy Spirit and being renewed by the word of God. With that, let's get to the synopsis of the movie. The movie opens with talking about the number one rule, which is to honor your parents. But May Lee, which is the main character, as we've talked about, she says if you honor your parents, then you might forget to honor yourself. So that was a first red flag that went off to me. For the main character, May, from the get-go, displays an attitude. And when I'm talking attitude, it's what we typically think a 13-year-old should do. But she displays an attitude and even saying she does whatever she wants, she says whatever she wants, and if she wants to do a cartwheel whenever she wants, she does it. She's an adult, according to the public transit system. A little later in the movie, May is with her family at the temple where they work and live. They burn incense and send up prayers to their dead ancestor pictured on the wall. And this dead ancestor is a woman. Their prayer is that Sun Yi, this dead ancestor, would protect them from the red panda. Now, I want to note here that in the temple that they were in, which this was said in Canada, in Toronto, but here in the temple and all around it are red pandas, red uh, red panda statues, uh, red panda drawings, all kinds of things that symbolize the red panda. At about eight minutes into the movie, the scene shows the family doing tours of the temple, as it is the oldest temple in Toronto. And May's mother, Ming, tells the tourists, quote, "Instead of honoring a god, we honor our ancestors, particularly Sun Yi." And as May is dealing with an embarrassing situation occurring between a boy she drew pictures of and her mom finding the pictures and angrily confronting the boy who knew nothing about it, she has a dream that night. Now, this dream is rather disturbing. There's red glowing eyes in and with uh, red panda spirits uh, in there that are forming and coming out of the tapestry or the picture of Sun Yi. And they seem like they're attacking May in the dream. And there's a lot of this going on, this wind, heavy wind blowing, shaking going on. and And it seems like that this dream is what the climax of her turning into what she does the next morning. So the next morning she wakes up to find herself as a red panda and she's a huge red panda in her bedroom. She's uh, trying to hide from her mother. She's freaking out, not understanding what's going on. And her mother is convinced that this is where this comes in for about literally like five or 10 minutes of the movie. I would say her mother is convinced that her menstrual cycle has started. And, and so May discovers that if she remains calm, the panda is kept at bay. So when she begins to, you know, find her zen or, or meditate, whatever she does, or just to calm down, then the she starts turning back into herself, but she has red hair instead of black hair, but all the panda features go away. When the mother finally sees Mei as a red panda, she tells her the truth about Sun Yi and how Sun Yi loved the red panda so much that she asked the gods to turn her into one. And the gods answered her one night during a red moon, giving her the power to harness her emotions into a mystical beast to protect her children and village. These are the words from the movie, verbatim, not mine. Now the reason why Suni did this was because the men of the village had gone off to war. She was left with her two young daughters and she wanted to be able to defend her daughters and defend her village. And this is where it comes in where she prayed to the gods. And ask them to turn her into a red panda, which at this point, this is one of the places that my daughter actually says, There's not more than one God. There's only one God, not gods. Soon Yi passed this quote gift onto her daughters. This is what Ming is telling her daughter, May, and on down the family line. And May becomes enraged and she calls it a curse. But her mother tells her there is a cure for this red panda issue, is that on the next red moon, they will perform a ritual to harness the red panda, because this is this is a spirit. They identify this as a red panda spirit. And her mother tells her there is a darkness to the panda, and there will only be one chance to banish it, and May cannot fail, because if she does, she will never be free. Now, I'm going to plug this in as a side note real quick, because as I was watching this, and, and I understand that some people, that this may upset some people when I say this but I'm going to say it because it was at this moment I'm I'm watching this and it all of a sudden it just reminded me of some of the things I had heard in the charismatic church or the hyper charismatic church I know not all charismatics say this but there are some some areas in the charismatic church that say things like this and most definitely in the hyper charismatic church and then in the new apostolic reformation for those that acknowledge it or don't acknowledge it but it's it is Acknowledged by some higher ups that are part of it, but these these last few statements that that Ming says to her daughter of you know we're going to basically it sounds like a deliverance session is what it sounds like, and that you know we're going to harness this red panda and you only have one chance you you know you cannot fail at this this is the only way you're going to be free. Some of this stuff sounded similar to what goes on in deliverance ministry, and it's basing freedom on what the individual does rather than on what Christ has done. So then it becomes technically a work-based salvation because they talk about how deliverance is salvation, and not acknowledging uh, the fullness of salvation that Christ brings, and the salvation is from the wrath of God, by the way, that Romans 5 talks about. And the, the, the wrath of God that it's incurred because of sin, which is the penalty that is deserved to sinners who rebel against a holy God and do not have faith in Christ to save them from the wrath of God and to impute his righteousness to cleanse us from that unrighteousness and to give us the promise of eternal life. So kind of remind me of that. So as time goes on, kids in May's school find out that she turns into a red panda, and they embrace its presence, offering her money. Uh, one girl said, I'll give you my kidney. Another girl said, I'll give you my soul to be around it. So May and her friends formulate a plan and to raise money to buy tickets by using the manifestation of the red panda for pics with kids and uh, red panda merch to, to be purchased. She keeps this money and the secret from her parents and she disobeys her grandmother in continuing to let out the red panda because her grandmother comes with all the other female relatives and they each had their own red panda spirit that's been harnessed into a piece of jewelry or an accessory of some sort, as you'll find out later in the movie. And her grandmother finds a red tuft of the red panda fur from May and she knows that may's letting this red panda out and the grandmother tells her says she says the more that you let this out the, the the stronger it gets and you've got to stop doing this and so may doesn't listen to her she rebels basically disobeys what her grandmother says she goes to this party because she's going to make some money to put towards what they need to go to the boy band concert so the story takes a turn when may discovers the concert is the same night as the ritual initially her one of her friends had set up them forget to go to the concert they had all told her parents a certain day and then they find out that the friend had told them the wrong day may finds us out she starts panicking and from there she's provoked by a kid in her school she goes into a rage i mean flat out rage when she's as, as this red panda we come to the night of the ritual in the movie and so one thing noted is the position of women taking headship i noticed this quite a bit in the movie is that it seemed like the women were the ones in charge and the, the father was really kind of behind the scenes. He was in the background. And the, the mother and even the grandmother, they were really taking the headship role in, in the movie and really putting um, the woman as the, the main leading role individual in the family. The grandmother tells May, quote, "...the spirits have blessed us with a great challenge. May soon ye guide you and keep you safe." Women have banished the beast and have become their true self. End quote. And again, as we go through this, we're going to be thinking about this after I get through the synopsis, we're going to be thinking about this from a biblical perspective applying this in such a way that we can talk to our children about this and, and help them to understand why these things are not what we would desire to or want them to be watching and the reasons for it instead of just saying, well, you shouldn't be watching it because it's just not good or it has demons in it or you know whatever we want to say. You need to be backing this up with Scripture in, in the proper context and in a biblical way and having these discussions with them to where they are able to defend their faith by the word of god not by their feelings not by their emotions not by what mom and dad have told them but they need to be able to go back to scripture and to say this is what i believe i'm a i'm a born again believer and they can't get the salvation you know because we're saved that's not how that works it's not saved by association we we want to present the gospel to them and pray for them and ask god to open their their ears to hear and that they would be brought to saving faith through him alone. And that's only by the gospel being ministered to them. And God is the one that does the work in them. So right before the ritual, May's father finds a video of her as the red panda and he thinks it's really sweet and stuff and that she seems like she's having fun. And May's father is speaking with her, telling her, quote, the point isn't to push the bad stuff away, but to make room for it or to live with it. To which at this point, my daughter spoke up and immediately said, well, even the dad is setting a bad, bad example in telling her this. And there was another point in the movie where my daughter spoke up, you know, she's, May is keeping all these secrets from her parents. And she says, she, she says to me, you know, if she would just tell her mother the truth, her mother would still love her. And I thought, even a six-year-old can see some of the, the the things in here that are not good. She even noticed, she said, you can't do whatever you want. You can't say whatever you want. She's not, re- She's not being very nice when she says these things. And so this really was helpful to see that she was understanding that some of these things were not okay to do. Now, does that mean that she's perfect and now I can tell you that she never has a bad attitude? Can I tell you that I never have a bad attitude? No, I can't tell you that. Can I tell you that she's always pristine and she comes downstairs in the morning. She says, hello, mother, how, is your, how was your night's sleep? Did you do well? Can I fix breakfast for you? No, she doesn't do stuff like that. sometimes it, Most of the time she's really sweet when she comes downstairs. And then there's, some, there's been days that I've had to correct her because of her attitude things she says or she does or things she does to her brother or, you know, what or not cleaning up. There could be different things that happen because she is a sinner (laughs) and she, it needs instruction. She's also six years old. She needs guidance. She needs parenting. She needs discipline. She's not perfect. I'm just telling you that still at six years old, there were things that she recognized that were not right. And so this is what happens when you're Helping your children to understand the ways in which they should walk, and the only way that they should walk, be led into as, as if they have Christian parents, is to walk in the ways of the Lord. During the ritual, this is the main thing I want to get to because this was a good chunk of the movie. This was a good chunk. I'm going to repeat that. This was a good chunk of the movie, <laughs> and it's disturbing. And no child, I don't even think a 13 year old should be should be seeing this without a parent supervising them if they feel comfortable parents feel comfortable watching this and being able to explain this biblically. Honestly, my suggestion would be if you're not ready to have that conversation with your child then you should not be letting them watch this movie because this is there are scary stuff in this movie that if people don't understand what's going on and there's a supernatural aspect to this, a spiritual aspect whatever however you want to label that, that is tied to a specific religion that I'll talk about in a little bit that I think is what they're really heavily influenced by in this movie based on some comments that have been made by the director. I would tell you right now, if you're not ready to have that conversation with your child about that and to explain to them what's going on and that biblically this is not okay behavior and practices that are going on, then I would not suggest that you you even attempt to watch this movie with them because this part right here is disturbing. So there's a, the ritual takes place on the night of this red moon that their family knows about. And it, what happens is is that the, the women in the family, they gather around May and they form a circle. There's an older man there. I really don't know where he came from or what his relationship is. But he is there to help oversee the ritual. And her mother and father are there as well. So May is sitting in the middle. They draw, the man draws a chalk circle around May telling her that it was the door to the astral realm while the red moon was visible. And the door, he tells her, will only open if they sing from the heart, meaning her relatives that are standing around there. And May is told to focus on the voices and let them guide her. The women pray, and they call upon Sun Yi to return the red panda spirit from where it came. And a sword is held up and it lights, uh, there's a the red gem is at the, the bottom of the blade of the sword. And the man holds up the sword in the air while May is levitating. The circle begins to light up and the inside of it glows with the uh, two red pandas that are in the shape of the yin and yang symbol and light hits a red gem at the base of the blade, and a beam of light hits May in the forehead from the sword. She is then astro-projected out of her body, while she's levitating out of her body and up to where Sun Yi appears and provides a portal for her to go through. And as she begins to walk through this portal, she begins to recall memories with the spirit and seeing the spirit coming out of her, she stops the ritual by joining back to the red panda spirit the the ritual stops because abruptly because of her decision to do this and her family is all asking her and she says i'm keeping it and she is the red panda at this point she decided that she's keeping it and there's a struggle with her family and her mother and her mother gets thrown back and there's this locket that her mother is wearing during the movie that you see it's a red locket well come to find out that's where the mother's red panda is housed she went through the ritual and got her red panda harnessed, and apparently, her red panda was a beast. I'm talking marshmallow man, uh, stay puff marshmallow man, Ghostbuster size. That's what I'm talking about when I say beast. I mean, it was pretty, pretty bad. So the locket cracks in this struggle, and May's mother is furious because May leaves and Ming, the mother, she becomes more enraged and more enraged until they reach a point where she becomes so enraged that the locket cracks open. Uh, the The red panda spirit that's locked in there comes out of the locket and comes out in a ferocious rage and enters Ming's body, her mother's body, possesses her. It is a very disturbing, that is probably one of the most That entire thing was disturbing. One of of the most disturbing scenes was that part right there. I thought, wow, that is, if you don't know, (laughs) if you, if you go into this movie and this stuff moved, like terrifies you, it is, it would be terrifying if you don't, if you don't have an acknowledgement of, I don't need to fear anything like this, then people, I mean, young children would see this and it was, it would be terrifying to not even understand what's going on here. This all happens, and uh, the the disobedience, the rebellion from May is it brings this out of her mother, and her mother turns into the massive red Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, red panda, and so she goes uh, through the city to go get May, because May goes to the boy band concert, and so while they're in the stadium, uh, tearing. the tearing the stadium apart because she's so huge. Ming and Mei are getting into it and arguing and such. And all the other women are telling her, you know, keep her uh, keep her at bay. You know, we're going to do the ritual. So Ming, the, the mother, can be free from this red panda spirit. So the ritual is performed again while both Ming and Mei are arguing. And the grandmother breaks her bracelet to release her red panda spirit. And the other female relatives do the same to get Ming back into the circle because there's an altercation between May and Ming during this. And Ming fa- falls out of the circle and is unconscious. And so they they basically are trying to drag her back into the circle so they can open the door through the, ch- the, the chalk circle is drawn around her as well. The portal opens from the singing and the chanting, both from the relatives and the boy band, by the way, they all join together to open up the circle, singing from the heart, and all of them, all of the Red Panda women astro-project, and they all go through the portal, except May. May embraces the Red Panda spirit forever. So she can never be free from this, but she embraces it. So at the end of the movie, May is talking to her friends, and they actually... Uh, Her family has embraced May being this red panda as well. And so they utilize it for their tours of their temple. And this is a very well-known phrase that you may recognize. May says to her mother. Hold on. You're not going out like that, are you? <sighs> my panda, my choice, mom. There, that should be f- very familiar to us. It's The wording's a little bit different, but that should be very familiar to us in the culture that we live in. So the movie ends with Mae's voice and her saying, We all have an inner beast, a messy, loud part of ourselves we lock away. I let mine out. How about you? Now, I have taken some time to delve a little more into some of the concerns from this movie and to present biblical rebuttals to the issues. And these are the things I went over with our daughter the day after, before we started homeschool that day, and took some time to walk her through scripture and to explain and to let her ask some questions. And it was a very good conversation. These kind of conversations are important with our children. And we need to be taking the time to have these conversations because they matter. Doctrine matters. Theology matters. What our children believe to know that be the truth matters. Um, We need to make sure that we are presenting them the truth. If we are born again believers in Christ, then we need to be professing that. And that begins with our children. It begins in the home. And as Christians, I believe that we need to teach our children what the word says and how to defend our faith. And again, I do not believe it is simply enough to say, "Well, that's bad. Stay away from that. That's not good." We because the question is going to be, "Why? Why can't I watch that? My friends watch that. Why can't I do this? My friends do this." We need to be presenting the word to them. And, and help them to understand. And there are some things, again, there are things that we're going to find in our culture that are not necessarily laid out in scripture for us to stay away from, but we're going to have those convictions as a believer in Christ. And someone else may not have that conviction because it's not laid out in scripture. But we need to understand that when we have these convictions, that we can explain it to our children and to help them understand that this is, if we have boundaries set up, this is why we have boundaries set up. It may not be explicitly in scripture, but this is what our family has decided to do And it doesn't negate the core fundamental teaching of scripture or go against that. It could be a tertiary issue or something that another believer has. But regardless of that, we want them to, we want to help them understand why we have boundaries set up. And it's because ultimately we want to honor God. We want to glorify God in all that we do, all that we say. We want to testify of him. And if our family has had certain guidelines and parameters set up and that those need to be honored. Because ultimately we want to honor God. So the first one that I had on my list, I'm going to share the list I have with you. There's, I think there's four different uh, things that I, that I talked about with, with our daughter about this and share some scripture with you. And then, like I said, if you have other, uh, uh, other topics, if you watch this movie, or maybe there was another thing that you watch with your children and you want to do this, this would be a great thing to do and to keep that line of dialogue open with your children The first one I would come to is the the one initially in the movie was talking about honor self versus honor your father and mother. Though we do want to honor our father and mother, the word of God actually tells us we are to honor God and worship God first. In Matthew 22 verses 37 through 39, Jesus said this. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now notice something here. Self is at the very end of all this. So we put God first. And then we put the needs of others first. And then we put ourselves last. Actually, and even to take it a step further, the Bible does not talk about honoring yourself. It doesn't talk about forgiving yourself it doesn't talk about putting yourself first it doesn't talk about any of that it does speak of thinking of others more highly than yourself and it also commands us to honor our father and mother exodus chapter 20 verse 12 is quoted within ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 through 3 it says children obey your parents in the lord for this is right it goes on and says honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise it's what Scripture says, that it may go well with you. This is found in not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament. We are to honor our father and mother. It doesn't mean that if they tell us to do something that's unbiblical that we do that. No, it does not. Does it also mean that our parents have to act a certain way in order for us to honor them? No, it does not. There's nowhere in there where it tells us that we have to honor our father and mother if they honor us. It does not say that. And the Bible actually paints in a sinful light and a depraved way those who disobey parents. So one of the scriptures we see this in is in Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. I'm going to read several verses in context just to give you an idea of what it's saying. Romans 1, 28 through 32 says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 says, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy. There are other scriptures that will help us to see the fact of honoring our father and mother, putting God first above all things that you don't think of you don't think as highly of yourself as you do other people you want to serve. You you don't put yourself on a on a pedestal. You don't think that highly of yourself as this movie says, but this helps us in an apologetic way or a biblical in a biblical way to defend what we believe, what scripture says to be the truth. This is the truth because God said it. His word is inspired. It is God breathed. We can know that it's profitable for instruction, for correction, for rebuke rebuke and reproof. And we know that it can train us up in righteousness. And so we trust what the word of God says. We know that it is infallible. It is inerrant. And it cannot be disputed and it cannot be disproven. It is God speaking through chosen vessels that he gave to write this out and they're carried along by the Holy Spirit. And it is the more certain word of prophecy. So we can trust what the Bible says. And so that was one of the first topics that I, I broached with our daughter was saying, actually, you don't put yourself first. You put God first. That's the order. And yes, you are to honor your father and mother because God instructs that. That's important to do. And he's the same God as he was in the Old Testament as the New Testament. He has not changed his mind about things. Now, the second thing I wanted to talk about, the next topic out of the four was ancestor worship and reverence. This is found in several religions where prayer, gifts, and offerings are presented for favor and appeasement to these dead ancestors. And based on what I found from the creators of this movie, I would say that this religion that they are promoting in this movie uh, is pointing towards Taoism or Taoism. However, the Bible tells us regarding the eternal state of human beings, how we are to conduct ourselves with dead ancestors. So first of all, Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 10. This tells us about the eternal state of human beings. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 also says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now, I know that's not the full sentence. That's in the middle of it. But I wanted to read Hebrews nine twenty seven. So we should have a basic understanding that there is an eternal state for human beings, whether they are born again, and once a person dies, they go to heaven to be with the Lord. Or if they do not know the Lord, they are eternally separated and they go to hell. They do not stay in this intermediary state. They don't stay in an uh, astral realm where they're waiting to give a portal to do things. And we certainly don't pray to dead ancestors, as we're going to talk about in just a moment. This brings us to the next point, though. There is only one mediator, and that is Jesus Christ. We find this in Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. We also know that we do not worship dead ancestors or honor them for that matter. When May's mother tells the people at the temple that are touring it, she says, we don't honor gods, but we honor our dead ancestors. Well, though we respect those that have passed and that we respect those that are um, our relatives and uh, leaders and such that we respect, we don't worship them and we don't ask and petition them for things. We don't seek their appeasement or their favor in matters. We worship God only. Exodus chapter 20 verses 3 through 6 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. That would also include images of Jesus Christ, by the way. You shall not bow down to them. That was not in scripture. I'm just plugging that in. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And Luke 4, 8 says this, Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And this was his response to Satan, by the way, and he is quoting from Deuteronomy. So Jesus felt it appropriate to quote from the Old Testament. He recognized it as scripture, the word of God. So we can can take it from Jesus Christ himself when he is addressing Satan, not in an omnipresent way, but he is addressing satan directly to his face and telling him what scripture says there is only one god isaiah chapter 45 verse 20 through 21 says assemble yourselves and come draw near together you survivors of the nations they have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a god that cannot save declare and present your case let them take counsel together who told this long ago who declared of it old Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10 and 11 also reassures us there is only one God. There are not multiple gods. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. And lastly, under this topic, contacting the dead is forbidden. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 10 and 11 tell us, There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. The third topic that I had to address with my daughter was setting self-free. Now, this is a big topic that's also talked about in deliverance ministries, in the hyper charismatic movement slash NAR uh, slash some charismatic churches that believe this in the deliverance ministry. One of the things that is promoted and talked about and there's webinars done about it and all kinds of things and videos are is self-deliverance. And this seems like an oxymoron when you think about it, because if we could deliver ourselves, we wouldn't need Christ. But they'll try to get around that in the deliverance ministry. Nevertheless, self-deliverance is not possible. We cannot set ourselves free. And we see this even in this ritual. Telling someone that is part of a, uh, in another religion that does not worship the true living God, but worships dead ancestors really, and believes in polytheism, we cannot do that. We cannot set ourselves free. Believers are not enslaved to sin or to demonic entities, but we are slaves to Christ And in that, we are truly free in belonging to him. In John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed and we see this in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 through 24, the Word of God tells us and encourages us that Apostle Paul wrote to put off the old self. He encouraged the Ephesians and we can be encouraged by this as well as we read Scripture and that we are still being instructed, by the way, by the Apostles because we are reading their writings when we open Scripture as they were carried along again by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 17 through 24 say, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And we know this is not capable without the the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. By the way, we are able to kill sin by the power of the Spirit. We see this in Romans chapter eight verse thirteen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We don't do self deliverance. Rather, we. We trust in the Lord that he has delivered us from the penalty of sin, and we are being led by the Holy Spirit and sanctified, and we are saved from the power of sin. And it's by the leading of the Spirit and the undoing of power by the Holy Spirit to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh, and to be instructed by the Word of God in how to do that, which the Word of God is is inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the way, so he is not going to contradict his Word in what it says in leading us in the way of truth. The last subject I wanted to talk about, and I did discuss with our daughter, rituals of a pagan or occultic nature. Taoism, as I said before, I believe has been influential in this movie, and the reason why I say this is because of an interview that was given with the director of this movie in an article that I found online of a comment that was made that I'll talk about in just a moment. But Tao, the word in itself, means way or path, and it deals with the flow of energy in the universe or the force. There are beliefs such as polytheism and ancestral worship. The use of yin and yang is utilized, a duality to all things with a harmony and the contrast between them. Neither side is fully solid in color if you look at a yin and yang symbol. There is a little of the other color in each side, which again represents contrast and harmony. This would go along with uh, May's statement at the end of the movie that she talks about, You know, I have uh, we all have an inner beast within us, and, you know, there's a nasty side to us that we keep hidden, and I embrace my inner beast. How about you? This would go along with this, and also what her father said to her about, you know, just live with it. You need to embrace it. You don't want to push it away. You just got to learn to live with these things. Uh, From a site that I, I found about the yin and yang, it said, right living does not come from being either one thing or another, but in finding the balance. It is the feeling we have found the right path. The evidence of Tao influence and demonstration is noted in the interview I mentioned a minute ago, where the the director uh, talks about how they collaborated with Disney Hong Kong to create the chant for the ritual scene. And the director stated, quote, we were really inspired by the Taoist chants that monks would do in Taoist temples. Uh, She says at first we wanted to see if there was an existing Taoist chant chant we could use. But then we thought because this family is so specific, the situation is so unique, this family has this magical panda curse running through them. We should come up with our own chant for it. And they said they knew it had to be in Cantonese because the family is Cantonese. And she says, this man that worked with uh, Disney Hong Kong, he helped them translate a poem, a protection chant with lyrics about watching over this girl, guiding her through her journey. And he helped them create this rhythmic chant and rhyming chant. Again, we know who the real deliverer is. And chanting is not required for deliverance. And creating an atmosphere is not required as well. John 14, verse 6 tells us, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so as we look at this ritual, the act of drawing circles as a door to conjure or invoke a spirit was used and is used in religions such as Wicca. It's also used in uh, prayer circles for Hinduism and the, the Mandalas and Native Americans uh, use it in for medicine wheels. The Druids used it for prayer circles. Mystics use it for prayer circles. Buddhists use it in prayer circles. Witches use it in prayer circles. This circle is drawn around May and she's again told about this astral realm, the red moon is visible, uh, one of the relatives is beating a drum and there's a yin and yang symbol using two curled red pandas on the drum and the women are surrounding the circle and chanting, the circle lights up showing the same symbol that's on the drum in the middle of the circle and when May asks what they are singing, the man says, "Oh, it doesn't matter. They are just singing from their hearts." And he tells May to follow their voices and let them guide her. But we know scripture tells us as believers in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So to tell this girl, well, they're just singing from their hearts. It's almost presenting it as that is the the most pure way that you can do it is just to sing from your heart. But our hearts can be deceived. Our hearts are wicked. We can't even understand. God knows the depths of our hearts and he knows how wicked they can be. And even in the New Testament, I'm reminded in the Gospel of John that Jesus talks about how he didn't need man to, to, to confess who he was or to tell of who he was because he knew what was in the hearts of men. So God is fully aware of what is in the hearts of men, and we cannot be trusted in and of ourselves. And that and that should be very evident even in the garden in Genesis from the very beginning when the curse came on humankind because of sin and rebellion. The human heart cannot be trusted apart from God. It cannot. And even as believers, we are to still ask God to test us, to, to search our hearts and make sure that what we are doing is in agreement with the truth of his word and and and, and his ways. We cannot trust our feelings and our emotions and our hearts to lead us and guide us. That is a worldly way of thinking. It is not a biblical way of thinking. We are to be led by the Spirit. We are never told to be led by our hearts. Not ever are we told to be led by our hearts and emotions and experiences. It is dangerous to do that. And we can see this in this movie. I mean, we would tell this girl, if, we, if this was a real person, we would tell her not to do this. Not to be led by your hearts and not to be led by someone who's singing from their heart that is, that's deceitful. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, this is who we're supposed to be led by, not the chanting and not anybody else or any other voice leading us. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. We cannot trust our hearts. I'm going to say it again. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit, not our hearts or our emotions. Fits of anger, by the way, is not a fruit of the Spirit, but a work of the flesh. And the solution is repentance and to be led by the Spirit of God and to renew our minds with the Word of God. As these women chant, the man prays to soon Yi, the dead ancestor, and holds up a sword, as I mentioned, with the red gem and the beam of light that hits her forehead. And she, as she's levitating in the air, and then Astro projects. And I couldn't help but to think of the comparison, whether they meant to do this in the movie or not, but the comparison of the sword reminded me of the word of God. In Psalm 119, 105, it says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. It is what sanctifies us because it is the truth. John chapter 17, verse 17 says, uh, Jesus prayed the high priestly prayer and he said, to the father as he prayed sanctify them the disciples and also those that were to come which would be us sanctify them in the truth your word is truth and we also know that we renew our mind by the word of god romans chapter 12 verse 2 says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect and last but certainly not least the comment of my panda, my choice. It's an embracing of the current culture. But this statement is just as incoherent as the original statement that we know in our society as my body, my choice. Because we know when that's talking about abortion, my body, my choice is not true. Because that is not the woman's body that is being aborted. That is another human being's body with another separate DNA, another separate blood system, organs, appendages, everything. That is a completely separate human being within that woman's body. So it's not another, it's not her body, and it's not her choice. She is making a decision on behalf of someone else that is not able to give consent. And so this is not a coherent Statement even to use in this movie, My Panda, My Choice, because this spirit is within her. It sides more with us that are pro-life because this is a separate entity from her. It's not her. This panda is not her. This is what she's chosen to embrace in order to live in that world now we know that the red panda is not anything like a baby but I think you get point of what I'm saying here is that this statement it's just to appease and to go along with the culture of "Eh, it's my panda my choice mom just like my body, my choice. This is another another type of statement to say, to acknowledge that I am my own person and I'm going to do what I want and say what I want and, and act the way I want. Again, this is another another way of rebelling. It's rebellion and it's it's sin. It's a sinful nature against, ultimately against God. We see that David in Psalm 51, he says, against you, God, when he sins against you, have I sinned against you alone, have I sinned. Sin is ultimately against God. And what we are contending with in this world when we don't know Christ, what the hostility is, is that we apart from Christ, we are children of wrath. We're disobedient. We're children of disobedience. Our father's the devil apart from Christ. We don't know God. That we are not seeking God. No one seeks after God is what Romans 3 says. God and, and God is rich in his mercy and he sent his son to to redeem us and reconcile us back to the Father. Praise God for that. And we have to recognize that in this culture, of these, these types of statements that are said, this is to go along with the current culture. And then this makes it almost n- normal. When you put it in a PG movie, you're going to have young children saying this, and they think it's funny. But it's basically, I'm I'm going to argue this and say this, it's indoctrinating them to think that this is okay, this is normal, this is how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, this is what we're supposed to say, because this is, it's indoctrination. It's an indoctrination that's going on when you have these little things in these movies. This is why we need to be talking to our children, because the response to this comment should be, no, no, no. This is what mom and dad believe because we are believers in Christ and we are raising you to understand that this is our faith and that we are praying that you come to saving faith in Christ. We can't do that for you. But in case you want to know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, when you belong to Christ, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That should be that should be the response when we hear these things. We can have these conversations with our children. We should be having these conversations with our children. And unfortunately, what's happened in our society, and we've all been guilty of it as parents, is that we've decided, well, the pastor will be the ones that will teach them. The Sunday school teachers will be the ones that teach them. I'm just going to go on autopilot and I'm not going to take a proactive measure in my child's life. Or they're going to go and then we get upset because if they do go to public school or they are around people outside the home, outside their safe bubble that they live in in the home if they're homeschooled, and then they come in contact with something that, doesn't agree with the little world that they've been inside in their home in the safety and safe confinements of the four walls of their home, then we don't know what to do. And we've taken a back seat or we've been on that autopilot setting and we go, well, someone else will help teach them. But the problem is, is that we have people teaching our children that have no business teaching them things that are completely against what our faith teaches and what God's word says and what the instructions are. And if you've been doing this, I don't say this to condemn you because it it convicted me and it encouraged me and challenged me. I'm saying this to you, mothers. I am encouraging you. Take a proactive position in your child's life. Ask them questions. If they go to public school, I know not every person can homeschool their children. But if your children are going to public school, then you need to ask them. Get involved. Get nosy. Get in their business and ask them, what did you learn at school today? Was there anything you want to talk about? I want you to feel free. Tell them that the lines of communication are open to talk with you. Pray with your children. Read the Bible to them. Set an example for them to follow to understand why you believe what you believe. Don't be silent about your faith. You are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't need a microphone to do that. You don't need a public platform to do that. You already have a platform. You already have a ministry and it's your family. Your family is your first ministry that God has given you, your children are a ministry. They are a they are the most important ministry that you're ever going to have including in aside from your spouse, in your family. ministering and serving your family. Is it going to be perfect? No. But you trust the Lord to lead you, to guide you. When you fall down, you repent, you get back up, and you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you and to help you be the mother that you need to be in your family and to guide your children into the truth of the word and pray that they come to saving faith. We cannot save our children. We can certainly present the gospel to them and present the truth to them and trust the Lord that he is the one that will save them. And that he will soften their hearts and he will illuminate their understanding, not in a new age mystical way and not in a worldly way where they are going to be tolerant of everything and think everything goes and it's my truth. No, they want we want them to be led by the truth of the word of God. So I hope that this has challenged you today and it's encouraged you. It it challenges and encourages me. It, it encourages me to continue to have these conversations with my daughter. And when my son is old enough to to start having these conversations, to have them with him and to encourage my husband to do the same with our son and, and keep those lines of communication open and to teach them the ways of the Lord. And to not depend on someone else to instruct our children in the in these ways or to not be proactive in helping them to understand the truth. And if apologetics uh, uh, intimidate you. Don't th- just think about you're defending your faith and just read the Bible. We have technology available to us in this day and time. We have no excuse for n- not being able to find out what Scripture means. There are many resources that we can go to that are good resources. They're going to be helpful to us in understanding Scripture so that we can help our children. And I want to leave you with this quote that I came across on an Instagram account I follow that is very encouraging. It's from Little Pilgrim's Theology. It's a quote by Richard Baxter. He says, You that are schoolmasters and tutors, begin and end with the things of God. Speak daily to the hearts of your scholars those things that must be wrought into their hearts or else they are undone. Let some piercing words fall frequently from your mouths of God, of the state of their souls. And the life to come. Do not say they are too young to understand and entertain them. You little know what impressions they may make. This is something for you and I both to think about as we have little minds that God has put into our care to steward and to mold and to share with them the Word of God, the truth, so that they may know what it is and know how to walk in it and have an answer for the things of this world. So again, be encouraged today by this, be challenged by this. And I look forward to being with you next time on this podcast. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.